To obey organized government is right. To disobey is death. This is your FBI. Step into the incredible, amazing future. Welcome to Free World Theory, the podcast you're not supposed to listen to, a Chaz Holloway production. I'm Bill Hergensen. In Episode 6, we explained how science is the only way humanity has ever made progress, and we saw the first recorded use of the word freedom in history. In this episode, how science and politics are exact opposites, and we hear from radical 1960s civil rights leader Malcolm X. This is Episode 7. Why is it we make progress in science, but we don't make any progress in politics? It's because science and politics are exact opposites. Here's how science works. Science is a five-step program. First, you observe nature. Second, you build an intellectual model that represents how you believe nature acts. Third, you test your intellectual model, called a hypothesis, using the scientific method. Fourth, you throw out the models that don't work. And fifth, you use only your successful models to build technology and accomplish goals. This process was created during the late Renaissance, and it created the Industrial Revolution. Politics, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. Politics is only a two-step program. First, a person, or a small group, imagines how they'd like the world to be. Second, politicians force people at gunpoint into their plan and try to change the world into what they imagined. In politics, first you imagine how the world works, then you use guns, laws, police, armies, and even executions if necessary to force everyone to obey your plan. That's what Lenin did, that's what Stalin did, that's what Mao did. They all imagined a utopian scheme then used guns and prison camps to force everyone into it. This is why there's no progress in politics. It's central control that's detached from scientific reality. Scientists adjust their thinking to match physical reality. Politicians, on the other hand, try to adjust physical reality to match the ideas in their heads. Even the USA, the civilization which took freedom to heights the world had never seen before, is now doing the same thing. The politicians in charge are trying to change the nature of society into what they want it to be. I'm Chas Holloway for Free World Theory. You're listening to the Free World Theory podcast. Vous écoutez le podcast de la théorie de la liberté universelle. One of the things it's critical to have in science is semantic precision. Semantic precision means using words that have specific and exact meanings. In science, only precise and consistent definitions are useful. They have to be exact, accurate, and detailed. For example, when a physicist uses the term acceleration, he means the rate of change of the velocity of a mass per unit of time. He has to use precise concepts. It's the only way he can communicate his ideas effectively. However, when it comes to describing things in society, we have completely failed to do this. Consider this important term, freedom. What does freedom mean? Does it mean all your basic needs are being supplied, you have a minimum basic income? 
Does it mean you don't have to fear government intrusion into your life? Does it mean you live in security? Does it mean you have the power to do anything you want? The truth is, nobody knows, because the word freedom has never been scientifically defined. Consider this term, crime. What is a crime? Is it a crime to steal someone's money? Well, what if the money is confiscated from your bank account by the IRS? Is that a crime? Is it a crime to earn money? What if you make as much money as Google or Apple or Exxon? Is that a crime? Is it a crime to go to the corner bar and have a beer? What about during the prohibition years? Is a crime anything the current government says it is? What if the government says drinking is wrong, puts you in jail for it, then decides drinking is okay after all? Is the government then committing a crime? Or was it just an honest mistake? The truth is, nobody knows, because the word crime has never been scientifically defined. If you asked a dozen people what these two words mean, freedom and crime, you would get a dozen different answers. There's no agreement whatsoever. Nonetheless, people universally would claim to be for freedom and against crime. Even politicians, they're supposed to be the experts, but they don't know what these words mean either. Think about that. They run entire nations in total ignorance of what these two words mean. What if there was no agreement in physics on the precise meaning of fundamental terms like mass or force or acceleration or gram or meter? What if scientists spent all day arguing, a meter is the length of this room. No, no, a meter is the length of a man's arm. No, a meter should be from here to the sun. No, it should take a microscope to see a meter. If there was this much disagreement in physics over such a fundamental term as meter, there'd be no physics. I'm Chaz Holloway for Free World Theory. It seems like no one wants to live in a democracy anymore. They want to live in a dictatorship that supports their point of view. Go back in time and imagine the year 1400. You're in an abbey. It's home to 200 or so religious monks. These monks spend their time copying ancient Greek manuscripts. They've all read Aristotle, Plato, Herodotus, Plutarch, and more. For their time, these are highly educated people. But this was before Galileo. The birth of science during the Renaissance is still two and a half centuries away. These monks are intelligent, but they know nothing about classical physics, which hasn't been invented yet. Okay, transport these monks to present day and give them the job of running NASA. Tell them to get an astronaut and his dune buggy to the moon. Equipped only with the knowledge of Aristotle and Plato and the other Greeks, could they do it? No. Even if you gave them all the equipment, they wouldn't even know how to turn the systems on. So it doesn't matter how smart or well-intentioned these monks are, they simply lack the concepts to even start. Well, this is exactly the situation we have in politics today no scientific understanding. We all live under primitive Republicans with no scientific understanding of society, Democrats with no scientific understanding, and World Council people with no scientific understanding. Who are all these people? 
These are a few hundred intelligent guys trying to manage the country and the world using ideas from the 1200s to the 1700s. When they argue about national policy, they're arguing with obsolete, centuries-old, non-scientific ideas. They may have good intentions, but they're worse than ineffective. They're dangerous. Just like the ancient monks trying to run NASA when they try out some plan, they're more likely to blow something up. I'm Chas Holloway. Politicians are like subatomic particles. They behave differently when observed. Scientific understanding starts with semantic precision. If you don't have clear definitions of your fundamental terms, you lack the concepts. The word freedom is in everyone's vocabulary. But if I asked everyone listening to this podcast to define it, there'd be little agreement. Yet, everyone wants freedom. All the activists at the Antifa protest are for freedom. Ask any of them, are you for slavery? They'd say, no, we want freedom. All over the world, people are demonstrating for freedom, striking for freedom, rioting for freedom, blowing up discos for freedom, burning flags and signs for freedom. Stop a guy burning up a free speech poster on the Berkeley campus, or about to throw a Molotov cocktail into a police car, and just before he sets it on fire, ask him, pardon me, sir, but before you burn this thing up in the name of freedom, just how do you define freedom? And if he can't tell you, does he really know what he's doing? The obvious answer is no. Assume, instead, this guy's destination is to go to Hawaii. If he's ignorant of geography, if he doesn't know that Hawaii is an island, that an island is a landmass surrounded by water, if he doesn't know what navigation is, is he ever going to find Hawaii? No. Well, it's just as irrational to assume that the UN or the EU or the United States President and Congress can take the country to freedom if they don't know what freedom is. The situation is identical. You can't get to freedom if you don't know what it is. That applies to politicians and blockchain developers, too. I'm Chas Holloway. Free World Theory is also a book. Binge read it today. Search for The End, The Fall of the Political Class by Chas Holloway on Amazon.com. We're going to define the word freedom. To do that, let's analyze the word slavery. We say a slave is someone who has lost his freedom. But what does that mean? Well, what kinds of things can a person have and then lose? Here's a list of the four kinds of property that it's possible to own. Your life, your mind, your human actions, and your tangible possessions. First, you have your life. This is your biological life. You are not owned by a government. You are not owned by a corporation. You're an individual, and you own your life. Second, you have your mind. This means your thoughts and emotions, goals and desires, opinions, values and ideas. This is your intellectual property. Third, you own your human actions. These are your purposeful physical movements. You stand or walk. You run a marathon. You stick up a liquor store. You write a novel. 
the philosopher John Locke called these things a person's labor. Finally, there are the tangible things that are the products of your actions. Tables and chairs and cars and money in the bank and so on. These are the four kinds of things that it's possible to own. There are no other possibilities. Now that we've described with some precision what you can have and then lose, let's turn back to slavery. Imagine the slave of 4,000 years ago building a ceremonial tomb for the king. This ancient slave is not working voluntarily. He's in forced labor. If he gets lazy, the king has a slave master standing nearby with a whip, and labor is preferable to the whip. This kind of slave has lost control of two classes of things. He's lost control of his actions. Also, he has no ownership in the monument that he's building. So two kinds of his property, his actions, and the tangible products of his actions are controlled by the king. Now what would he be thinking? Well, you probably spend every waking hour looking for a way to escape. That's one kind of slave. But now, let's look at another kind of slave. The black slave in America some 200 years ago. This individual was kidnapped in Africa, put on a boat in chains, and shipped to America, where he was sold at auction to a plantation owner. On the plantation, he works the fields all day and sleeps in the corner of a shack at night. He's in the same position as the ancient slave. His actions are controlled by the plantation boss, and so are the tangible products of his actions, the crops. He can't quit. He can't go to the plantation owner and say, sorry boss, but this isn't working out for me. But there's another, even more important question about this slave. Does he even want to quit? Listen to this excerpt from a speech by Malcolm X, given in 1965. Back during slavery, when black people like me talked to the slave, they didn't kill him. They sent some old house negro along behind him to undo what he said. You have to read the history of slavery to understand this. There were two kinds of negroes. There was that old house negro and the field negro. And the house negro always looked out for his master. When the field Negroes got too much out of line, he held them back in check. He put them back on the plantation. The house Negro could afford to do that because he lived better than the field Negro. He ate better, he dressed better, and he lived in a better house. He lived right up next to his master in the attic or the basement. He ate the same food his master ate and wore his same clothes. And he could talk just like his master. master. Good diction. And he loved his master more than his master loved himself. That's why he didn't want his master hurt. If the master got sick, he'd say, what's the matter, boss? We sick. When the master's house caught a fire, he'd try and put the fire out. He didn't want his master's house burned. He never wanted his master's property threatened. And he was more defensive of it than the master was. That was the house Negro. But then you had some field Negro who lived in huts, had nothing to lose. They wore the worst kind of clothes. They ate the worst food. And they caught hell. They felt the sting of the lash. They hated their master. Oh, yes, they did. If the master got sick, they prayed that the master died. 
If the master's house caught a fire, they prayed for a strong wind to come along. This was the difference between the two. And today you still have house Negroes and field Negroes. Malcolm X's point was that the black man shouldn't be involved in the white man's world. He believed that black people should create their own businesses, their own communities, and ultimately, their own nation. He called his program Black Nationalism. But that's not why I played this. His speech raises another critical point. Malcolm X was also saying that even though the black man in the master's house was a slave, he either didn't realize it or he didn't mind it. He might have thought the whole institution of slavery was normal and proper. He accepted slavery. This illustrates how your mind can be enslaved as well. When you think slavery is good, it means your beliefs and ideas and your values and emotions are all enslaved, not with a whip, but through persuasion. It means the master is doing your thinking for you. In fact, this is the most efficient way to enslave people there is. Because if you can get your slaves to believe that slavery on the plantation is just the natural way of things, that we have to take care of these poor unfortunates because they can't take care of themselves, then you don't have to worry about your slaves trying to escape. Or, instead of on a plantation, let's say you're in 15th century Europe. You get people to believe well, the church has to be in control because that's God's plan. Or if you're in 1933 Germany, you get people to believe everyone must give their will to the state because that's how the nation becomes strong. Or if you're in the Middle East today, you get your people to believe the infidel has to die because Allah can't handle the competition. That's how you can enslave thousands or even millions. You base your slavery on a philosophy. You create an entire intellectual system of slavery. Because if you can enslave people's minds, you don't have to worry about them arguing with you or escaping. And the prison wall becomes an intellectual wall and it doesn't cost you a thing. Will Durant, the famous historian said, the official state mythology saves a thousand police. You've been listening to the Free World Theory Podcast. Our next episode will be a special edition of Free World Theory called Out There, which will be a change for one episode from our usual format. The Free World Theory Podcast is written and directed by Chaz Holloway. Also heard in this episode were Kimberly Burke and Hayden Jones. I'm Bill Hergensen. For more information, visit freeworldtheory.com. The Free World Theory Podcast is copyright 2021 by Charles Holloway.